This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 7, Episode 18, Raising the Stakes. And let's start it off with an announcement. We've mentioned it the past few episodes. Postgame chatter is just around the corner. You know what it is. The deadline for questions for postgame chatter is uh, one week from today, May 15th. After that, we're taking them to press and to the cast. Uh, we will answer your questions if you send them in, so send us your questions. And with that, let's go ahead and move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 7 Episode 17, Le Miserable. I believe the shortest episode in all of Essential NPC, NPC's history. It's got to be close. Uh, it was uh, uh, quick and to the point, a little bit of setup for hopefully the team getting their hands on the second icon. We'll see how that goes in the upcoming episode. Uh, but we got to team up with Amboise, who uh, up until now has been a villain and sort of rival to Matteo. Yeah, actually, uh, he found a little bit of redemption in uh, these past few episodes, which is a great example of something that I think it's really important that GMs have, at least in their repertoire, if not using all the time, is the redeemable villain, because there are more kinds of villains in the world than just the evil big bad who cannot be saved or the um you know sociopathic monstrosity that uh your players may face it may not be when they come up against somebody that that villain or opponent is necessarily a bad guy uh maybe they're doing terrible things but maybe they have other motivations or from their point of view they're the hero Amboise, for example, was just on the wrong side of things and through falling in love with Caroline was able to be used by those much more nefarious than he to to bring some evil ends into the world. And you see stuff like this all the time in uh, in other medias. Like think of it, think to like TV shows that you like and how often uh, the big bad from season one ends up like reoccurring through the next nine seasons as like a uh, sort of frenemy and possibly even near the end becoming like a full on heroic good guy. I mean, they do that in TV shows because they hire the actors and they, you know, <laughs> the actor, people want to see those, those characters stick around. Uh, so they find creative ways to keep the character around. It's, it's much more interesting to reform a villain than it is to just like kill them outright. Now, of course, at the end, there's always, like, the one that is, like, too far gone and needs to be, like, destroyed. And you may be thinking, like, Addie, what are you talking about? Uh, 7C is all about that there are villains and there are heroes and there's no gray area. Uh, and you're right. In uh, Mechanically speaking, there are only villains and heroes. You can't be this sort of, like, gray sometimes good, sometimes bad, generally out for themselves guy. Uh, but what you can be is a redeemable villain. Uh, this was actually 
introduced in a sidebar in the book Heroes and Villains, which is a splat book for uh, the 7C uh, second edition. It even goes as far to say that uh, there's nothing so dangerous to the forces of evil as a wicked person who's been turned good and adds a pretty cool advantage uh, called savior, which is really powerful and only works if you're trying to turn a villain into uh, a decent guy. Yeah. And and that that concept uh, isn't exclusive to just 7C. It's it's great. It's a great thing to do in any game. And I think the one really important thing that a game master can do and kind of is their responsibility other than coming up with these sort of redeemable villains and or adversaries, opponents, etc., is actually allowing the players uh, to figure out that these people or monsters, I suppose, are redeemable. Um this this can be hard because a lot of times I know my players are always like, oh, baddie, kill it. Um, and I can't blame them because of past experiences. But I've learned through trial and error the best way to get a villain to stick around, even in a different capacity other than their original villainous designs, is to let the players know through rumor or monologue or insight or whatever tapes, letters, books, that this person has motivations outside of, I'm evil, so I do evil things. Um, Build out the villains, give them a reason why they're doing what they're doing, and then tell the players at least some of the why. Uh, Maybe they want to cure some terrible disease, but in order to do so, they've got to kill a lot of people. There's your basic twisted mad scientist right there. But if your players know that the villain may be redeemable, they may not be so quick to just lop off their head and run away with the XP. Yeah, and they might just try and reason with them. (laughs) Um, But uh, I want to know what uh, your favorite part was from the previous episode. Duncan Furter makes an appearance. Yeah, Duncan Furter. (laughs) Um, I had been trying to elbow that dude in there for like since the lost bonus episodes uh, (laughs) and could not find a place for him. Uh, And I was so happy when you guys finally got to the auction and I was like, yes, I know exactly where Duncan Furter is going finally. And then he turned out perfectly. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Those of you who haven't listened to the backlog of episodes we've released before series seven duncan furter originates from uh our series four campaign of tefra um and uh addy nailed the gimmick of the whole hello and you are like repetitive (laughs) over and over again he's very very rigid and uh and follows almost like a script in all of his social interactions uh uh so it was a ton of fun uh, uh having him pop up again uh but what about you what was your favorite part uh, shopping in in Paris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there's a moment where um, you know we're getting ready for the party, and uh, and Bastion and Goodbrand are kind of like I'm trying to teach Goodbrand how to like dress fancy for a Montaigne party, and he's all uncomfortable. Uh, and I make the joke, fashion is pain. Uh, <laughs> and then I and then and then uh, Seth took it like a step further and was like, Goodbrand's gonna go like have a fancy bath and clean himself up. And I just like I had this really fun 
mental image of uh, a before and after of like good brand in his character art all like dirty and weird and mystic with like a cloak and then good brand dressed up like a montane like socialite with like his face cleaned up and his beard trimmed and like i don't know maybe even wearing like a powdered wig <laughs> <laughs> um uh i just uh it didn't really make it into the episode a whole lot but just the idea of good brand trying really hard to fit in with montane uh high society tickled me <laughs> But we are still amongst the high society in Montaigne as we are entering the auction, uh, which has the second idol we've been chasing after this entire campaign. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and move on in and listen to Series 7, Episode 18, Raising the Stakes. Enjoy! I am Bastion Corazon. I hail from the Castilian city of Odysseus, home of the duelist tournament known as the Festival of Swords. Watching swordmasters all over the world compete inspired me at a very young age to take up the blade. Once I was old enough, I joined the Explorer Society as a means to travel to Avalon and study under the masters of the Skaldas Klisa style. However, earning entry to the duelist guild was not enough for me. I have spent nearly two decades since traveling the world, testing my blade against masters and villains alike. Most recently, I have found myself aboard a pirate ship, accompanying a man I consider a brother, Goodbrand Strandbella, on his journey to Numa to uncover lost artifacts. One day I hope to truly master the way of this sword, unlock his secrets, and eventually settle down and found a duelist academy to teach a style of my own making. Until then, I will continue to travel the world and learn what I can the way I know best, crossing blades with skilled duelists brave enough to face me. Good friend Strandavella, and it is very good to meet you. Please don't be too alarmed from my appearance. I am a Skald Vala, a keeper of runes, a finder of lore, a protector of the legacy of Vestan Manavanyar. This may seem like a lofty title, but I promise modern Vestans appreciate far more the achievements of their fighters and their merchants. With the founder of a notable merchant's guild for a father, and a mother whose dueling skills are renowned across Thea, I have quite a bit to live up to. Nothing made this more clear than my parents' obvious adoration of Bastian. Today I call him brother, but when my mother first took him into our home for training, I admit my jealousy of his easy demeanor and obvious skill with the weapon. It was this skill that cemented us as a team, working for our respective societies. For the first time, he has taken me away from my home country, on a path that may lead me to the fabled 13th rune, and with it, the immortality of my name. Ahoy, I am Captain Kirill Tikpentimovich, strongest man in there. <laughs> you believe? <laughs> Maybe strongest. Who is to say? My past is unimportant. Now, I am captain of the iceberg. She is a very good vessel, silent as the grave, and sturdy enough to sail in dangerous waters others won't follow. Excellent for smuggling. I make certain modifications myself after I steal her from Atabian Trading Company, not Kirill's biggest fans. About two years ago, I am finding stowaway 
uh, who is nephew of Vodachi Merchant Prince, a man who hires me to smuggle relics. The boy is young, but sharp as tattoo needle. He pays Kirill well to pocket artifacts he likes uh, before they are reaching uncle, and so we are in business. However, coin is not enough. Everyone I am allowed to sailing on the iceberg has their uses. <laughs> Matteo di Caligari, at your service. You may have heard of me. Certainly my uncle is a merchant prince of Odachi, but I am constructing a legacy of my own as a renowned archaeologist for the Explorer's Society. Ever since I was a boy, I have loved to watch my uncle's smugglers deliver ancient artifacts from all over the world. As I matured, I loved even more to skim a few off the top for my own personal study. At 13, my uncle took notice of my mental, if not material, acquisitiveness and sent me to University and Lyceum in Castile, from which I graduated in a prodigious two years, making only minimal enemies in the process. After the completion of my studies, instead of returning home on Capitano Kirill's vessel, I stowed away to sail straight to the source of my desires, the occult ruins of the mysterious Sirne. By age 16, our mutually profitable arrangement brought us to Vestin Minavignar, where the Explorer Society connected us with the duelist Bastian, the Valescald Gudbrand, and a lead that would change the course of our fates forever. The last time we left our heroes, they were in the midst of uh, a ball at the Chateau de la Vie, uh, and just about to participate in the auction in which the second idol is being sold. They've come up with a daring plan and they're about to execute it in front of most of Montaigne's high society, as well as some of their friends, allies, and enemies. Uh, everyone begins filing into the Grand Hall after Louise de Beaufort invited everyone uh, to participate in the auction. They sell it in the washroom. It smelled wonderful, but tasted terrible. Uh, that that was potpourri, my friend. <laughs> what is this? It's this Montaigne dish. Yeah, I don't like. Yes, it's uh, Montaigne. You shouldn't eat it. It's Montaigne food. Wait, Kirill, you went to eat without me? <laughs> <laughs> you miss nothing, good friend. <laughs> and um, the auction is about to begin. We'll enter a dramatic sequence. Uh, Matteo is going to be uh, reading the room. My goal is to know exactly who's bidding on what and why. Okay. Uh, you will roll wits and empathy. This ball is for good cause. Carol is going to encourage bidding uh, by bidding uh, aggressively on everything, uh, but stopping before he wins. Uh <laughs> And he's going to smile and glare at many of the other aristocrats uh, to try to goad them into bidding, too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's panache and intimidate. Cool. Good friend? Uh, good friend is uh, specifically looking at uh, those who are bidding on the icon itself and uh, trying to make a connection to Bernoulli. Basically the same thing that Matteo is doing, but more specific. Uh, so you're looking for Bernoulli? I'm looking for either Bernoulli or the person that uh, Bernoulli sent in his stead. Okay. Uh, that will be wits and notice. And Bastian? I am going to uh, uh, stay towards the back of the room. 
and kind of try to remain unseen as much as possible. And hopefully because uh, I am... Uh, I am out of most people's eyesight. Maybe I notice a thing or two that uh, that they that they are doing that they would usually be hiding uh, from the people around them. Or if by chance Bernoulli just his plan is to just attack this auction and uh, and such, uh, I will be in a position to uh, ambush whoever comes this way. It's wits and hide. Okay. So the consequences and opportunities are. Uh, Eight raises for Bernoulli spends too much. Six raises for Louise isn't suspicious of you. Four raises for a lively auction, uh, which may reap benefits later. And four for save face um, or become notorious. And uh, Giovanni Bernoulli is going to miraculously arrive fashionably late at count five. So now is the time to spend hero points. Uh, I think Kirill and I are the most in line with our uh, with our goals. Uh, I think I'm going to give uh, four hero points to to Kirill, giving him a general idea of uh, how wealthy the Bernoullis are. I think we are of one mind on what we're trying to do here, as uh, as I am reading the room. So I'll spend a hero point to give uh, Cap- Capitano four bonus dice. I will spend one back at Matteo for three bonus dice to him. Uh, we come up with uh, unspoken signal for when one should bow out of any sure. given auction. Uh, from my position, uh, I'm going to try to uh, be in good brand's eyeline uh, so that uh, if I notice something or I can kind of like nod towards, hey, what's that guy doing over there? That kind of thing. And I'll spend a hero point to give uh, good brand three extra bonus die. Let's roll. Uh, Mateo? Seven raises. Good brand. Five raises for good brand. Kirill. Five for Kirill. And Bastian. Uh, three raises with a re- uh, two remainders. Okay, here we go. Uh, so the auction begins, and Louise brings out uh, the first item, which is a painting of a small white dog. <laughs> and uh, the event begins. Mateo, what do you do? I think early on in the auction, uh, Matteo is going to establish himself as a bidder, that he is here to procure items and that it is not at all unnatural for him to be doing so. Uh, So uh, I will spend my first raise toward not becoming notorious, perhaps. Okay. It's still your turn. I think then um, uh, Capitano Kirill and I will... um, escalate one of the items in a bidding war, uh, and I will spend one raise to make it a lively auction as we establish a kind of uh, friendly rivalry between the two of us. Uh, You do, and uh, the auction starts to feel more like a celebration uh, rather than a business affair. So on on, uh, count five, the doors open. Prince Giovanni Bernoulli. (laughs) (laughs) And as you hear uh, Monsieur Duncanfurter's uh, distinctive voice ring throughout the hall, everyone sort of oh, turns uh, and uh, to look at the door. Um, and there is um, a man you've seen before. Uh, he was uh, on the ship that towed the iceberg from the doldrums. Uh, he is a handsome young man with a, a very distinctive nose that's uh, 
aquiline, but like a little too large for his face with wide set eyes and a dark uh, wavy hair. He's wearing a green doublet, uh, like an emerald green doublet with a gold trim. And uh, he's got a fencer's sword at his side. Uh, he's wearing a, a, a white, uh, traditional white uh, Vodachi shirt with no uh, jacket. His jacket is actually being carried by one of his entourage. It seems he's brought four people with him. A woman whom you recognize uh, as Jeanette. Uh, and uh, an older gentleman who uh, is carrying his jacket and a younger gentleman also armed with a sword. And uh, a younger page uh, remains by the door uh, next to uh, Monsieur Duncanfurter. Buonasera. Uh, Buonasera. And he sort of like waves everyone's attention back to the, uh, to the auction where... Louise is patiently and kindly waiting to present the next item, which uh, is the third item in the auction, and it is a rather erotic golden statue. <laughs> Everyone turns back, and the bidding begins again. Kirill opens bid with two wealth for erotic statue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, loudly and jovially to uh, liven up auction. Uh, two races there. Okay. Gutbrand and Matteo? Uh, I am mostly interested in uh, the person with the sword. Um, so I am going to spend a raise toward... Uh, I think I have to spend a raise for Seder. For any magic, I'm going to spend one raise and one hero point, and I would like to know this person's name. Uh, his name is uh, Paolo Dominico. Is this a name that I know? No, uh, but were you to share it with Mateo, he would certainly know this person. Um, I'm with Mateo. Like, I have not left Mateo, oh. so I'm... I, uh, yeah, you're my plus one. Yes, uh, and, so I, um, and so I focus uh, very intensely on the, on the man with the sword and uh, um, look deep into his eyes and through his eyes to his soul, and I, uh, I pick, pick his name from, from the deepest recesses of his heart, and uh, I say, um, the man, the man with the sword, uh, Paolo Domenico. Paolo Domenico? That's him? That is him. How do you know? Uh, I know things. That's what I do. You are a good ship's wizard. <laughs> Uh, you know Paolo Domenico as a as a cousin of um, Giovanni Bernoulli, uh, and also uh, famously a bruiser and assassin for those who uh, would stand against uh, the Bernoulli family. I am sure that anyone who, in Vodaci who sees him uh, in any context other than this does not see anyone else. Uh, I will be keeping my eye on him then. So. My boldness uh, evaporating slightly, hearing that um, legendary assassin is, is here with him. Uh, even so, when uh, item five, the icon, comes up to bid and Louise asks for openers, Matteo will stand up and he will look to Bernoulli, uh, making a statement as he opens the bid at five wealth. And I will spend uh, a raise... Um, to uh, push Bernoulli to spend too much. Uh, a murmur goes through the crowd. Suddenly this rock with writing on it is important rather than sort of like a paperweight. And it excites like everyone to have a Caligari 
bids so much uh, and Bernoulli bids against you. Matteo and Gutbrand? I am going to actually spend a raise uh, towards looking at the uh, the people in the audience. And if anybody else is thinking of bidding, I'm going to indicate that to Matteo and be like, don't let this just be you and him. There's another, there might be another person interested. Uh, so you're going to put one to save? Save face, yes. Face. Yes. Montainers are notorious for following fashions and trends. <laughs> if they see two nobles stand up and start bidding a lot of money on a rock, you better believe that they're going to stand up and start bidding money on Absolutely. a rock. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> then I will, um, I will step back for, uh, for like a few bids and I will let some, um, Overly rich, trend-happy Montaigne's keep uh, bumping up uh, Caligari's bid. And I'll spend two raises to do that, to make Bernoulli overspend. Okay. Uh, Bastian, Gutbrand, and Kirill, you're up. From my position, uh, listening in to people who are whispering and not noticing I am close (laughs) enough to hear, I will listen for when some people are whispering, okay, we can't go any higher than that. Oh, we need to stop eating. Oh, no, this is too much. Uh, and I will, uh, I will signal to, uh, to Gobran, uh, uh, like, like nodding to him to pass along the message that it is time for us to continue bidding. Uh, and I will spend uh, one raise uh, to uh, liven up this auction and keep it going, <laughs> completing a lively auction. Uh, and a lively auction it is. People are energized by the 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 high bids and and the 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 activity going around and the the quickness of uh, the bids as well. It's a more enjoyable event event than uh, than many thought it might be. It's a, for a, basically a charity ball. Gutbrand uh, turns to uh, Matteo and uh, seemingly begins to start a kind of argument, just like a small, like, whispering. <laughs> and then uh, loudly says, well, if you're not going to do it, I will. And I stand up and I make a bid for the, uh, uh, for the, for the icon. And uh, I'm going to spend two raises towards make Bernoulli spend too much. Okay. The crowd mumbles around you. As a now, it there's almost a path between you and Bernoulli, so people can get a good look at, at the 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 back and forth. Kirill has been dark horse during this particular bid. Uh, it's uh, sort of quiet, despite bids on erotic statues and things in the past. Uh, but at this point, uh, he is going to stand and bellow a ridiculously high bid and tip his hat to Giovanni, flashing the icon underneath. Oh, oh shit! Uh, Three raises to make Bernoulli overspend. (laughs) Bernoulli becomes basically purple. (laughs) And uh, Bastian, you see across the room Amboise turn to Caroline uh, and like whisper something urgent with like a like a very like wide like a wide face. Matteo, Gutbrand and Bastian, you're all up. Um, Gutbrand is going to spend a raise towards saving face and uh, he has stood up in his uh, uh, fake anger and uh, at this point uh, looks between Kirill and Bernoulli and and shakes his head and sits back down. He has given up. (laughs) Okay. And you're spending... One race. My last race. Okay. Matteo is going, uh, will, will spend his last race, uh, like he, he is standing, uh, he waits for Bernoulli to outbid Kirill with like a look of shock on his face. 
and like de dejectedly like he slowly sits down and and splays his arms uh and um what i'll spend my raise on is to uh make modest disappointed bids for the rest of the evening <laughs> uh, <laughs> to make it look like ah oh, i didn't come away with this uh, maybe i will try to come away with something um and i'll i'll spend a raise towards uh saving face i belonged here i was here to get something but louise knows <laughs> I didn't get anything. <laughs> and Bastian? As I am hidden, and uh, luckily uh, Jeanette has not noticed me yet, uh, I will spend a race as I get close to them, and I want to listen to them plan now that they have won the icon. Uh, and if they are getting ready to leave, they're like, okay, that's it. Let's get to the boat or anything like that. Anything that gives us an indication on where they are going to go uh, once they have the icon in hand. So uh, Bernoulli is actually not discussing anything with his entourage, but his entourage is having a, a hushed conversation amongst the three of them. Uh, the page is still by the door. You get within earshot just in time for Jeanette to say, they brought it. I t we, sh we should take it right now. We could easily get away with both of them. And uh, the, ol the old man is chastises her. You are too quick. It will come in time. And uh, Paolo says, no, she is right. We should get it now while we know where it is. The prince said no. Be patient, my friends. There is more here than meets the eye. And it kind of goes on like that. They kind of squabble amongst themselves. But that's the general gist of what you get. So, Matteo and Bastian, you have one left. Uh, I think I want to spend the race to provoke Bernoulli. Uh, I think I will like in a in a lull during the auction. I will I will slink over to where he is sitting and I will extend my hand to him and I will say, uh, "Congratulations, Giovanni. I'm sure it will look excellent in your father's collection." Molto bene, he says. Finally, an accomplishment of yours that he can be proud of. You are too generous. How is the exiled life treating you? Ah, it's been excellent. Thank you for asking. My pleasure. I bow and uh, remove back to my seat. <laughs> uh, before the uh, the auction is over, I will uh, I will spend my final raise uh, to uh, make eye contact with Isabel as I slink out of the room uh, unnoticed, with the intention of uh, if Bernoulli and his men uh, leave quickly and try to escape without the rest of the party knowing where they went. I want Isabel and I to be in position to know. You can absolutely do that. The auction comes to a close. Everyone uh, claps. Uh, it was a grand affair. And uh, the band, the, the quartet strikes up again and people begin to uh, file uh, into the ballroom for the most part. There are still some people um, loitering uh, or remaining in the grand hall. Uh, some of the people who won uh, head up the stairs towards where they can acquire their new purchases, and then a few dejected-looking people head out the doors. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Does the uh, Bernoulli party stay, leave, or go to the ballroom? The old man and the prince head up the stairs, while uh, Jeanette and Paolo head into the ballroom. 
And the page remains by the door. Has she, have we seen her communicate at all with anyone else in the Bernoulli party since they arrived? No. So I, I'm going to follow the prince and the other person he is with. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they don't know who I am. So I'm just going to be, not be hiding and like uh, out of sight, but just casually uh, nearby. Kiro briefly checks in with uh, Amboise and uh, Coraline uh, ensures they're having a good time and apologizes that uh, the f- uh, four of us, maybe five of us with Isabel, um, may have to be making an exit soon. Uh, but the, the two of them should stay and have a wonderful time if they like. Yeah, so you, w- you walk up to them and they're... Uh chatting like lovebirds, like uh, holding hands and sort of talking. But uh, M- Amboise does, he, he gets serious for a moment and is like, uh, you should not have brought that here. It is, he will, he will procure it in any means necessary. We are counting on it. Be careful. May we please, Capitan, be careful. We will. You too as well. And then uh, they withdraw into the ballroom. Yeah. Uh, I will I will definitely, like, um, uh, brush past Amboise at one point, and I mean, like, you're welcome. A big sack of Bernoulli money is coming your way. How much of it is going to charity, and how much to you? It is mostly to char- charity. I am getting too well. Well, Caroline, you are on the arm of a great philanthropist, and I will continue moving. Uh, so good brand you, uh, after the auction and everybody kind of starts filing in their own directions, you end up, uh, heading up the stairs, following the other winners, uh, towards, uh, towards where, uh, Louise and a few mousquetaires are exchanging the items for the money. (laughs) Nobody seems to pay particular attention to you. This hallway is... Not closed to the public, uh, but it is certainly less uh, populated than anywhere else that you've been so far. Sure, absolutely. Bastian, you're outside? Uh, Yes. Uh, Isabel and I are in in, uh, uh, different positions where we can signal to each other, but we are keeping an eye out for Bernoulli's men and Bernoulli himself. Especially I'm keeping an eye out for Jeanette. Uh, you didn't see Jeanette come out. Uh, she, uh, you may have seen her head in the direction of the, the ballroom. You get a couple offhanded comments, uh, from, from Isabel, like, well, it wouldn't be a ball if I wasn't missing all the dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Work now, play later. Yes. As if we ever get to play. (laughs) By all means, continue. Shall we hide in a bush somewhere? You hide in that bush over there. I'm going to get on this ledge. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, uh, Kirill and uh, Mateo, what are you up to? Kirill may, uh, may pick pockets of uh, wealthiest and most obnoxious clientele at this ball. Uh, only those who deserve it. This is elite Montaigne. They care nothing for the real people. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to make a, a finesse uh, theft roll. Yeah, two raises. One remainder. You get a watch. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pocket watch. It's not like a wristband, but yeah. But uh, they kind of turn around almost immediately. You, and any opportunity to, for further pickpocketing, pickpocketing, at least this group, is uh, absolutely terminated. Understood. Yeah, so uh, upstairs, uh, Bernoulli and uh, his elderly companion uh, step into the office. The... Um, and uh, come out shortly after 
um, with a parcel, which the old man tucks under his arm. And uh, Bernoulli tells uh, the old man to take Paolo and Jeanette uh, and uh, return uh, the icon safely to the barge. And uh, he will remain at the party. So the old man says, of, of course. Yes, sir. And uh, heads down uh, to the ballroom where he stands in the door. Moments later, Jeanette and Paolo return to his side. And uh, the three of them uh, exit out the, uh, grand, or the, the grand hall's doorway. Buona sera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, they, they, they exit, uh, they get in the carriage, and uh, start to clip-clopping away. RQ, gentlemen, I say to uh, Capitano and uh, Goodbrand as we follow them out. Before we do that, uh, the, the old man has left with the other two. Um, I would like to take a look at Bernoulli and make sure that he is uh, not carrying anything on his person. I just saw the parcel. I did not actually see the icon itself, and I want to uh, make sure that uh, they're not trying to lead us away. Yes, it could be a diversion. It absolutely could. Yeah, go ahead and roll wits and notice. Sure. We'll, do, we'll do a check. Uh, yeah, that's only two raises. Uh, he doesn't seem to have anything... Uh, extra on his person so uh yes I, I so i do follow the old man down and uh join up with mateo and kirill uh so i was up on a ledge uh when i saw them come out and when i saw them begin to gain the carriage uh, i'm going to make eye contact with uh, uh isabel and like point back into uh into the ballroom so that she can go and fetch the, the group and let them know which direction the carriage goes mm-hmm. as i begin running along the rooftops of Sharuz to keep an eye on this carriage so go ahead and roll uh, finesse and athletics. Four raises uh, to run along the uh, uh, the rooftops of uh, Charus, uh, leaping from rooftop to rooftop, keeping the carriage in in my eye line. Uh, yeah, e- e- easily enough. The uh, Charus is in fact packed. the 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 alleys are thin. The streets are not much wider. Uh, the buildings are tall. It's easy to travel from one to the next. Uh, and you follow them. They do turn onto the the road along the river and head north along the city for for a while. Sure. Meanwhile. Uh, yes, sure. Uh, seeing that his direction carriage goes, uh, we rush down slope to to small boat and uh, head down the river to harbor. Kirill on the tiller. Good brand, taking in the sheets. Mateo sitting around. <laughs> uh, is Isabel with them? Yes, Isabel will come with you. If, if both can go faster and cut them off on Riverside Drive here, excellent. Uh, if not, hopefully we just uh, we intersect where we intersect. You guys are in a rowboat, right? Yeah, small but sturdy rowboat. Okay. So uh, Bastien... As he free runs through Chiruz, uh, we'll certainly get to the barge first. Um, the rowboat is a shorter route, but um, slow nonetheless. Rowboats can only go so fast, especially when laden with four people. I mean, Kirill is doing an amazing job. He has It's like he has the strength of ten men, but uh, at the end of the day, there are still only two oars, and if you push them too hard, they'll snap. Uh, Bastian, as you, as you uh, follow the carriage, eventually it halts next to a uh, stone bridge crossing the river and you can see uh, the the three of them unload 
and file onto uh, a wide shallow bottom boat. It has no mast. It looks like a weird covered rowboat, a huge rowboat. They uh, go below decks and you are perched with a with an excellent vantage point above the boat. Hey, Capitano, Operation Black Ice. <laughs> <laughs> if like the boat starts moving, I might jump down onto it. Um, but otherwise, I am going to uh, wait until I see my friends. Okay. You uh, sit and wait. It's about 30 minutes uh, before uh, you see a rowboat piloted by a giant man uh, heading up this very large river. As soon as I see them, I'm going to try to signal to them so that they don't reveal themselves as they row in. I don't want them to just bump into this other barge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to uh, draw out my Draken Eyes and Sword champion, and I'm going to use it to catch the light of the, uh, of the street lamps uh, because the sword, when it reflects the light, it reflects it in a, in a somewhat ethereal blue way, correct? Yes. I, uh, I flash that towards uh, Mateo and, and Goodbrand and uh, Capitan Kiro to try to get their attention and let them know that they are close to their location. Oh, it's someone with a draconizing sword up on a rooftop. Isabel, who could that be? <laughs> you signal um, the, the boat, uh, which is easily seen because Mateo is up on the bow of the ship, a la Washington crossing the Delaware. Um, <laughs> uh, and he sees the, the blue light supernaturally sort of like flash right across his eyes as you might hope it would. Uh, so I look up at Bastion down at the barge that he appears to be indicate. He seems to be pointing at with the sword that he is glinting. Like that's the one. Let us get on shore. Uh, I think we will use the dock for our ground to stage black ice. Excellent. Uh, yes, we veer towards uh, shore, uh, several hundred yards uh, uh, upriver of the barge, and sneak to the docks. Cool. Yeah, you do. Um, it's a uh, Easy enough under the cover of night. There's street lamps, but they're not particularly um, close together. There's definitely like areas of darkness in between the pools of light that they uh, give off. Bastian, do you come down to meet your friends or are you sticking up top? Oh, I'm going to stay up top, hidden for okay. now. So you get to the barge. There's actually no one on deck uh, other than the fact that on the river side, you can see it, it has a Bernoulli's crest on it. Uh, it's unremarkable compared to the rest of the uh, the, bar- the river barges, which are, are fairly plentiful. Uh, it's one of the easiest ways to get cargo to Cheroos. What do you what do you guys do? Uh, Captain Kiro, the icon, if you please. Uh, reach under hat and untangle from hair and hand to uh, <laughs> hand to Mateo. Uh, I I hold it up and I stand very alluringly and um, I uh, I call out Buonasera, uh, a delivery for uh, Giovanni Bernoulli. I hide behind a large crate. Good friend, I, what are you doing? Uh, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting for. Uh, the carriage to show up it's a fresh pair i promise if i see just the first hint of light uh, coming up to deck on the barge 
I whisper to everyone uh, in a commanding whisper, uh, Black Ice Maneuver. <laughs> Once I hear Black Ice Maneuver, good friends, uh, uh, gets in position to uh, board the ship, not from uh, whatever area they might be exiting, but uh, perhaps like underneath that. So once they do, I have a, a quick, quick access to jumping on and beginning uh, the uh, undocking. I'm the bait. I stay right where I am. <laughs> you all get set. Mateo makes his presence known loud and clear. You can hear footsteps coming up from below decks and you see a carriage slowly trotting your direction. Um, all right. We are going to enter an action sequence. So the the uh, old man actually comes first up up above deck. He he opens the door to below, um, pops his head out. Oh, uh, yes, it's them. <laughs> <laughs> and he just shuts the door again. Come now, we've seen what you're willing to do for one. What are you willing to do for both? And uh, moments later, you hear a number of footsteps. Above deck comes uh, Jeanette and Paolo, as well as what looks like the majority of the staff of the barge. There are uh, four groups of about seven uh, Vodachi, primarily Vodachi sailors that come on deck on count one. The carriage will arrive. In addition to just the general wounds <laughs> of uh, that might be doled out, there are a few other opportunities and uh, consequences that uh, might happen in this round. If by initiative count one, you haven't spent four raises on uh, retaining the idol or the icon, um, it will be stolen from Mateo. There's an opportunity to take the barge. It will take seven raises. On initiative count zero, a civilian will run for the authorities. <laughs> Tell me of your approaches. Goodbrand good is uh, going to climb up the uh, side of the barge, perhaps uh, climbing around to the other side of the barge and uh, get ready to uh, prepare the ship for takeoff. So I guess that would be... Uh, either brawn or finesse and sailing or athletics. Uh, for Matteo, he will be acting as bait. I think there is uh, no better opportunity to use tempt. <laughs> yeah. I think this is, I am, I am trying to tempt these combatants off of the ship to help set up um, Goodbrand and uh, the crew, uh, our crew here to uh, commandeer it while uh, staying out of reach of the those who would wish to take the icon from me. I'm trying to basically aggravate them. You can roll uh, panache and tempt or finesse and tempt. Uh, I am holding back for just a moment behind these crates to tackle any brute squads that approach Mateo uh, from the side like a crab. <laughs> Still brawn and brawl. While, uh, while the Capitan is in position to uh, ambush the Bruce squads, uh, there is a bit of a vanguard uh, moving towards uh, Matteo uh, and the rest of the group uh, in Jeanette and Paolo. Uh, I will leap down, uh, landing behind them to hopefully put them in between myself and Isobel, uh, and I will engage them with my sword. Yeah, so uh, you'll roll 
finesse and weaponry. And now is time to spend hero points. Mateo's been waiting for this. <laughs> Mateo will um, definitely spend a hero point to give bonus dice to his good old uh, uh, ever protector, Kirill. And uh, will double it to uh, Goodbrand, who is uh, helping with the uh, taking the barge plan, um, for four bonus dice to each of them. Uh, and I will also give four bonus dice to Bastian. Let's roll. Okay. <clears throat> uh, as uh, Jeanette and Paolo, as well as... Um, the brute squads head towards uh, Mateo, Bastian, and Kirill. You are up. Yes, as soon as uh, I can see them uh, from around crate, I rush in and recklessly take down one of the brute squads, receiving a dramatic wound, but eliminating one of the four. As I see the Capitan uh, bowl over seven of these uh, armed uh, men and women, uh, I will uh, stand up from my hiding spot. Uh, cut a clothesline and swing down on it, uh, landing behind uh, Jeanette and Paolo. Uh, and I will look past them to Isabel and I will say, turns out we get to dance after all. Uh, uh, activating my clever tongue uh, advantage, uh, which is when I spend my first raise giving a clever quip uh, to uh, uh, talk about how I'm going to defeat my opponents. For every, uh, every time they try to spend a raise to remove wounds, they have to spend two extra raises per wound. Okay. Uh, as uh, Paolo and uh, Jeanette turn to me, uh, I will quickly, with, uh, with one raise, use the uh, Badaya Laceration maneuver that I learned from Matteo's father. Uh, and I will spend a hero point uh, to Flashing Blade uh, and make it affect both Paolo and Jeanette. Uh, they both take one wound. Okay. And every action they take from here on out will give them an additional wound unless they spend uh, four raises uh, removing the effect from themselves. Uh, as I, I land, I say the quip to Isabel and then leap forward, slashing, uh, slashing up and twisting the knife on Paolo. And then as I dart back behind uh, Jeanette, I do a similar maneuver to cut her. And then I stand uh, what, uh, my sword in one hand, dagger in the other. So, uh, Bastion and Kirill, you're, uh, the next person after you has seven raises. Oh, okay. So we can keep going. Mm -hmm. uh, I will follow up uh, my, my laceration with a uh, slash maneuver on Jeanette. Drawing my blade upwards, and uh, as, it, as it cuts her, I will say, the Sword of Castile never forgets. I will, uh, I will spend another raise uh, to feint at Jeanette to get her to stumble the wrong way as I bring uh, my dagger around to slash at her again. Uh, and then I will follow the feint up with a, another slash, dealing five wounds to Jeanette. Okay. Uh, and I will, follow, uh, I will follow that up, uh, spending a hero point to uh, drop my dagger into my sheath. He has done his job. And I will draw out Champion, my Draken Eyes and Sword, and switch to, my, to the Leagstra style as I follow that slash up with a Leagstra crash, dealing four more wounds. Uh, and then I will uh, bash her, dealing one wound to her, and next time she deals wounds, she will deal four less wounds. So as you um, uh, try to uh, bash her with the, the pommel of your 
regular sword. A guard uh, runs up and and uh, gets in the way of your attack, um, and you you come down on his his dome, and um, he uh, he falls to the ground at her feet, uh, taking her wounds. All right, so now I'm at seven raises. Uh, Capitan Kiro, what are you doing while I'm doing all of that? Yeah, how many of the remaining three brute squads are on the shore? Two. Okay, I will alternate bash punch, bash punch between these two. So uh, one of the groups has been bashed twice. One of the groups has been bashed once. Uh, the group that is bashed twice uh, has taken six wounds. The, bo- the group that is bashed once has taken five. Okay. Uh, so as you bashed and punched your way through these brute squads, you left one man uh, in uh, in one and uh, a man and a woman in the other. Uh, and so the, the one man um, who knew uh, he was outnumbered and, and certainly outgunned dove in front of uh, Jeanette and was immediately bashed in the face <laughs> <laughs> uh, by uh, Bastian. So uh, Jeanette backs away from you, Bastian, and throws down a bottle of what you see is the cement-like substance connecting you with the ground. <laughs> she spends two raises to do it. I will spend two of my raises to uh, to back up and uh, let the uh, the strange gray hardening substance uh, to uh, feel the ground between me and her. Uh, and I will like, kind of uh, do a duelist, like jump back and put one leg behind the other and pull my blade away so it's not caught. Uh, okay. Kirill, uh, you're at seven. Kirill will uh, do another punch at the remaining two people in the brute squad on the shore. You p- double punch. You punch one <laughs> in the head and he his head snaps back and knocks out the other guy. So Paolo interposes himself between you and uh, Jeanette Bastian. All right. Next time I deal wounds, I deal how many less? Four. Uh, Kirill, you're at six. Uh, blood dripping from knuckles. I will take large steps and just hulk over to between Matteo and Barge and just be intimidating force here, uh, trying to keep anyone from uh, approaching Icon. Uh, devote two raises to retaining Icon. Okay, Bastian, good friend, uh, and Mateo, you're about to come up at five, but first Jeanette and Paulo are going to go. Uh, Jeanette pulls out a, a similar uh, looking vial as before and tosses it at the ground at Isabel's feet. Does it work? Luckily, no. Isabel will spend some raises. Uh, and Paolo will slash at you, Bastian. For four wounds? For four wounds. I, I will uh, I will parry that slash uh, and remove four of those wounds. Uh, there are still people on the boat? Uh, yes, there are seven men that you can see, plus the old man that you cannot see on the boat. Um, so rather than uh, going over the railing and uh, getting on the boat itself, I'm uh, c- going to continue climbing up the sides. I'm going to spend uh, three raises uh, toward to taking the barge, and I'm going to remove a few of the, the rat lines connecting it to the dock. Uh, great. Uh, and you remain completely unnoticed. Everyone is uh, uh, engaged in the fray. 
Excellent. Uh, Matteo will uh, dance around uh, mockingly uh, and and say, Why are you spending all your time breaking your weapons against the, the Capitano and the Sword of Castile? The object of your desire is here in the clutches of an unarmed boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I will spend one raise toward uh, taking the barge, trying to tempt the people who are guarding it off of the boat. Jeanette's going to uh, drink an elixir. Paolo faints. Bastian, uh, Kiro, and Matteo, uh, you're at four. Seeing that like they still haven't moved, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I will continue to go and uh, I'll just I'll set the icon down on the cobblestone and like <laughs> I'll just I'll just leave this here. Whenever you want to come and get it, it it's all yours. <laughs> uh, I said I actually I set it down between Kirill's legs. <laughs> uh, sure. And I'll spend the race to uh, take the barge. I will uh, I will uh, bash uh, Paolo. Not quite connecting enough to deal any damage because he had bashed me. I'm still a little, uh, I'm a little disoriented. Plus, there's a lot of blood coming from him that I might slip on. Um, but uh, I do uh, move at him in a way that makes it so it is harder for him to hit me. So next time he hurts me, his damage will be reduced by four. Yeah, Kirill is going to shoulder forward a few steps, create opportunity for Mateo to board barge uh, unseen behind Kirill's bulk. Uh, sure. Uh, Mateo, you have that opportunity. Jeanette throws dust in Isabel's face. <laughs> and uh, Isabel uh, sees her go about to throw something at her, and she, like, holds her breath and ducks out of the way. Paolo, um, b- bashes. Yeah, you guys just keep hitting each other in the face. Yeah. <laughs> boof, boof, boof. Yeah. He uh, uh, brings another dagger into his hand um, in a style that you know, primarily only women use uh, in Vodachi. And uh, he bashes you in the face with his offhand pommel. The brute squad uh, swarms around uh, swarms around either side of you, Kirill, as uh, they head straight for Mateo, attacking him. Uh, and, and you take seven wounds. Okay. So Bastian, Kirill, and Mateo, you're at three. I'm going to lunge at this brute squad. With all the might of the pouncing crab. <laughs> uh, spending the rest of my raises plus my brawl of four to deal seven unpreventable damage. Yeah. You yell for Mateo to duck as you pick up a giant piece of timber and spin around. Mateo ducks just in time for you to thwack all seven of these people <laughs> down the embankment and into the river. <laughs> You are Driftwood now. (laughs) (laughs) Mateo is going to spend uh, two raises to uh, dive under Kirill, dive between Kirill's legs and uh, and pick up the icon to hold it aloft, um, retaining it. Uh, I will spend a uh, hero point to uh, use my adaptive duelist feat to uh, drop uh, my sword into its sheath and uh, uh, wield just champion. As I uh, move into my Skathas Klisa uh, dueling style, and I will use um, a raise to use my Salmon Leap Maneuver to jump over both Paolo and Jeanette to put myself in between uh, them and Isobel. Uh, and I will spend a, uh, uh, a hero point for Flashing Blade 
to make this uh, this salmon leap maneuver I am doing uh, affect both Paolo and Jeanette uh, for three damage to each of them. Uh, though Paolo actually does not take any damage because he had bashed me previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gutbrand has finished throwing off the rest of the uh, the lines connecting the barge to the dock and spend my final two raises preparing the barge to leave, whatever that entails. You throw the ropes to shore uh, and start to draw in the gangplank before uh, going to the rudder at the back. Paolo... Um, takes uh, his uh, stiletto and his uh, rapier and he slashes at you. Uh, I will follow that slash with a repost. Uh, taking away the wounds and dealing four more wounds to him in turn. Catch this stiletto uh, with champion. Uh, moving with a with a speed only a Drakenizen sword can and uh, and then uh, spin around and, uh, and, and just cut him deeply across the stomach. Uh, just as you slash across uh, his stomach, the the carriage uh, trots up. It opens. Then the two footmen on the back, the driver and another footman on the front, jump off. And uh, uh, Giovanni Bernoulli steps out, as well as uh, his page, Vivia. Giovanni uh, draws his sword and lunges at Kirill. And uh, you take six wounds as he is able to kind of like slash across your back in your very fine shirt uh, that you bought specifically for this occasion. <laughs> it's already covered in the blood of Bernoulli's yeah. men. This is fine. It falls away. I am more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the brute squad will move uh, to surround Jeanette and uh, will attack you, Bastion. Uh, for how many wounds? Four. Uh, Jeanette once again, uh, with a pocket full of bottles, uh, throws like a blue-colored liquid at Bastian. Uh, spending a raise to do so? Spending a raise to do so. I will take it. You feel overcome with the disinclination to continue fighting. And Paolo lunges. How many wounds there? Five? Five. And uh, Bastian, Matteo, and Isabel all have one. Isabel backs up and, and says that, I believe it's time to go, and uh, makes a running leap onto the ship. Mateo is going to spend the race to take the opportunity created for him so graciously by uh, Capitano Quiro earlier uh, and board the barge, basically ducking in an alleyway behind a home, reappearing in an alleyway uh, right next to the dock, and uh, standing on the gangplank as, uh, like, balancing on it as um, Gutbrand pulls it up. I get stabbed by uh, Paolo. I stumble back. I look at my blood. I see Isabel leaping onto his ship. I see Matteo leaping onto his ship. I look at these people around me and sheathe my sword and just run as fast as I can through them and uh, uh, do a like rolling leap uh, onto the uh, deck of the barge, spending a race to do so. The you guys, Kirill begins to huff and puff uh, to get enough... Um energy with his strength of 10 to get the boat moving it does the river uh current catches it with good brand at the rudder uh keeping it from crashing into the other side of uh the the other bank uh and as you you all stand on the deck of the ship uh vivia's eyes go white uh like a bright white that you can see from the distance that you're at as kirill uh, runs over a bridge and jumps onto the boat as it as it careens down the river. 
and uh, she reaches out her hand, uh, fingers upward towards the sky. She grabs onto seemingly nothing and then pulls. And uh, you hear a, a shout next to you as Isabel is pulled by nothing uh, and flies into the river. And that's where we'll end our session. Isabel! This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by John Wick Presents. 7C is a trademark of John Wick Presents. For more information, go to www.johnwickpresents.com.